Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. My friends, my friends, welcome back to the Heart of Dating podcast today. I'm your host, Kate Warman, and you guys are in for a mega treat today. Friends, today's episode is something that I have dreamed of for so many years. Actually, it's something I almost never thought was going to happen. But you know what? God is so big, you guys. This conversation today has been a bucket list item for me for sure for so many years. Our guest today is a woman who has inspired me since the beginning of my Christian journey. She is the woman where I would listen to her talks on repeat over and over and over again on YouTube until they were seared into my brain. So today, I could not be more thrilled to share this conversation with you with the one and only, the mega faith-filled powerhouse and advocate for the broken, Christine Kane. Now, before we get into this epic goodness, I want to share something with you. We have a brand new site over on heartofdating.com. And we have some incredible resources that I know will help you in your dating life. And in case you're wondering, they're completely free. One thing about dating is that none of us know how to do it. We all make up all of our own rules and then we're out there trying to do it all of our own ways. We have our own process, but it's kind of like a free for all, right? Everyone's doing their own thing and nobody really is doing it in sync. So here's the thing. I actually believe that there are five stages from singleness to marriage. And while I don't believe there's a one-size-fit-all process for dating, I do believe there are some parameters and direction we could all use in this process to help us out, okay? So if you want some direction in your dating life, if you want dating to feel a little less murky, you can get a free guide that I created, which is the Step-by-Step Ultimate Dating Guide. You can get that guide by going to bit.ly forward slash step-by-step dating. That's bit.ly forward slash step-by-step dating. Okay, let's get into this incredible conversation today. Are you ready to be kicked in the pants by the incredible Chris Kane? If you feel worn out or weary or discouraged in your dating life, you're going to love this conversation and walk away feeling so empowered. Today, Christine and I focus on questions like, why am I still single? Which is a looming question on the minds of so many Christian singles. And then to take it even further, Christian singles often also wonder, Where is God in the midst of all of this disappointment? Christine Kane brings fierce truth and timely encouragement today in this conversation. We actually draw a lot of our conversation from her new book, How Did I Get Here? Which, if you guys have not read this book yet, it flipped my world upside down this summer when I first got it. So please go check out her book, How Did I Get Here? Christine Kane is an Australian-born, Greek-blooded lover of Jesus, a sought-after international speaker, and an author and activist. Known for her ability to effectively communicate a message of hope, Christine has a heart for reaching the lost, strengthening leadership, and championing the cause of justice. Together with her husband, Nick, she founded the anti-human trafficking organization, the A21 Campaign, a recipient of the Mother Teresa Memorial Award for their work combating human trafficking among refugees. They also founded Propel Women, an organization designed to celebrate every woman's passion, purpose, and potential. Christine and Nick make their home in Southern California with their daughters, Catherine and Sophia. I'm telling you what, you guys, you're going to love this conversation. Who doesn't love a conversation with Christine Kane? But even more so, you're going to love it because I truly was just enamored, excited, on fire talking to Christine. And I know that y'all are going to hear this and feel so empowered in your singleness. So get ready, buckle up. Let's get into this conversation with Christine Kane. Oh my goodness, we have Christine Kane on the podcast today. Hey, Chris, how are you? Hey, Kate, I am fired up. Thanks for having me. 
<laughs> Thank you for being here. We are pumped. I'm pumped. Okay. <laughs> so am I. So am I. So, oh my goodness, you have a lot going on in your life right now. We are kind of in the season where we're coming out of some craziness from the last year um, as things start, hopefully continuing to reopen in our lives. And you recently came out with this book, How Did I Get Here? Finding Your Way Back to God When Everything is Pulling You Away. And I just, first of all, what number of book is this for you? Because I know you have so many books out there. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to work it out because I did some self-publishing back in the 90s, um, oh probably before gosh. you were born. And oh my um, gosh. So I've been around a long time since the dinosaurs. So. <laughs> hey, I, I slid in in the end of the 80s, okay? I'm going to claim that for the rest just of my life. Just made it. Just yes. made it. So I think it was like number um, eight. Wow. But, you know, I, I actually need to go and count. But, um, you know, some of the earlier ones, I'm so glad they're no longer in print. <laughs> Oh gosh. I was saying this to myself as I previously this year launched my first ever book, but I was like, oh my gosh, I really hope I don't feel in 10 years from now like that I wish that was never on the market, you know, because sometimes no, that's what it made I think all of them are yes. like, rewrite them all. But anyway. Yes. They served a purpose, but then later you're like, I learned more. I've learned we yes. constantly are becoming something, right? And we look back and we're like, what? <laughs> Why did I write that? You just do the best you can and, and just trust the Lord. Yes, seriously. Well, I'm not just saying this because we are on this interview right now, but I genuinely mean it when I say that I read your book and I I really needed the words in this book. Uh, personally, I've shared this on the podcast a few months ago, but I've been fighting a season of just burnout, especially after the book launch, as you know, the kind of be crazy, these book launch yep. seasons. But then... <laughs> Yes. And then um, on top of that with COVID, just a bit of, you know, anxiety and ultra moments of depression. And and all the while, I just turned 32. I am very still much unmarried and also went through a devastating heartbreak back in 2020. So of all the things in 2020, just add that on there, you know. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, you know, COVID-19 has just caused a mega damper on so many singles tenacity and our endurance and and hope that this time in our lives would ever be become better or whatever quote unquote end which I find is interesting that we always want the next thing you know singles are always just looking for well when can I get married <laughs> but uh we are in this time where you know, as I've read through my emails and social media inboxes, being a dating coach, I've just noticed this trend of exhaustion and hopelessness and heartbreak and loneliness in the lives of thousands and thousands of singles. And the disappointment just really feels like it's at an all-time high right now for singles. And they often, because of COVID, didn't date. Nothing really happened in their dating lives. And they're feeling more left out, more left behind, more hopeless as the years tick by, especially people in their 30s and above. And so, you know, as I'm reading your book, in the beginning of the book, it talks about wanting to ring the bell. And I feel like so many singles are at this moment where they're like, I want to ring the bell. I want to give up you know? And so what is that? Can you talk about that just briefly for us? What is a ring the bell moment as you describe in your book? For sure. And, uh, you know, I, I think everyone in their own way, uh, single, married, um, whatever season of life has certainly come through a, I want to ring the bell moment and um, like kind of like tapping out. And the, the image I use um, was when I was uh, watching this series on Netflix with my husband. He was watching a, a series on the Navy SEALs and Hell Week. And, um, you know, like I'm thinking, okay, the things he does to relax, whatever. Yeah, and, you're like, this doesn't seem relaxing. This is like not my deal. But anyway, that's okay. Um, and so as he's watching it, the, the whole purpose of this Hell Week is basically to break you down emotionally and mentally and physically uh, to the point that there is this bell in the middle of um, this quadrangle and the goal is they'll try to break you down because if they can break you down basically in boot camp, you, you know, you've got to go So because you'll never make it on the front lines. That's kind of the bottom line. So the goal is you go and ring the bell and by ringing the bell you're denoting I'm tapping out um, you're still in the military, you're going to go back, you're going to have a shower, you're going to go back to your life. You're just never going uh, to fulfill your dream of being a SEAL. And so I, I just remember there was, uh, you know, I was having a perfect storm like so many of us were having. There was um, 
a number of deaths in my immediate family at the end of 2016, including my mum, which for me was a, a huge thing in that, you know, I was uh, – I found out when I was 33 that I was adopted, but I'd been left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted. And um, so I never knew my biological mother. I always had um, just a challenging time with my adopted mum. I came from a background of sexual abuse. So I think my mum's passing, you know, obviously triggered just something else on the inside of me, something that needed a deeper healing. So that was going on, navigating a whole lot of that. Then in, you know, one of my friendships, I experienced um, a betrayal, which was just so devastating. You know, Kate, uh, David wrote in the Psalms, it would have been okay if it was my enemy that was against me. But when it was my friend that I used to go to the house of God with, it kind of cuts you at a whole different level. There was that happening. And, you know, we lead a a global anti-trafficking organization. We have offices in 15 countries. We've got a couple of hundred staff. So there's always a lot going on anyway, just, you know, in work and transitions and change. And so, and if you remember, basically, uh, I know we've just had 2020, but even coming towards the tail end of 2016, coming into 2017, 2018, it was a very volatile time politically, socially, economically. It was, I think people are so exhausted after 2020, it's because it's come off the 2016, 2017, 2018, right. it, it, yeah. it feels more like five years of massive shifts, not just one year, which is I think why everyone's feeling it a lot more. So I was coming off that and it was just, I, I, I had this moment and um, I was thinking, you know, there was this scene, they dropped the guys out of this helicopter into the freezing cold ocean. They had to swim to shore, complete this mission. And I said to my husband, I'm crying, which is very unlike me, you know, like while I'm watching like soldiers being dropped out of a helicopter. It's it's really not, you know, this rom-com where you think I'd be crying. <laughs> and uh, I, I said, this is how I feel. I feel like I've spiritually speaking, kind of been dropped out of the helicopter. The ocean is freezing cold. I've got to swim to shore, complete a mission, and here's the deal. I I know I can do it. I've been here before. I know I've got uh, the strength, the tenacity, the resilience, the ability. And I just remember looking at him going, but I don't know if I want to. And when those words came out of my mouth, it kind of freaked me out because I've had a lot of times with the things that I've been doing over the last 30 years where I've thought, I don't know if I can do this. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, have the ability to do this, which is really different to, I know I can, but I don't know if I want to. And it was that, and that was when I sort of turned to him and went, how did I get here? And, um, you know, that kind of, how did I get here? Which is what I imagine a lot of people are feeling. Um, And I think, you know, we're talking specifically in the context of of being single. It's like, yeah, okay, of course I know I can make another day. I've I've done it for 20 years. I've done it for 20 years. Okay. So, but I don't know if I want to, and just expending the energy that it takes um, to continue to keep my foot on the gas, be going full on, loving Jesus, serving Jesus, being all in, knowing that if I'm continuing to be all in, there is every possibility that my heart is going to be broken. There is every possibility that I'm going to face disappointment and discouragement and disillusionment. And I would rather, in my case, it was like, you know what, I might just take my foot off the gas go and buy a taverna in Thessalon- in Santorini, Greece and serve people in Baklava and, you know, talk about Jesus one-on-one as I watch the sunset over the beautiful island of Santorini. <laughs> beautiful, was, yes. Know, someone else can go and, and rescue people from human trafficking. Someone else can go and, uh, you know, it was sort of like this moment of like I might just tap out, not go and do anything crazy, but just go, I'm going to take my foot off the gas of being this all in. And it was it was that sort of sense of of being overwhelmed, just going, I do not think I can do this for another day um, like this. And I think a lot of people are right there and it, it, whatever their context might be right now, a lot of people are midway through 2021 going, how did I get here? You know, <laughs> look, I, I didn't even know here existed and here I am. Yeah, I remember starting 2021 being like, well, goodbye 2020, you know, we're all like so excited. And then six months, you know, however long we're into this year, I'm like, 
oh, I what what is even going on in this year? Like, where am I at even in this year? And I think uh, w- when it comes to even singles and dating and what I've often seen and I've read so many people's and I know you you work with so many singles as well, um, just in your organization. And it's just like, there's come a moment where it's like, I'm done. I'm giving up on dating. And even within that though, I'm giving up on my myself in my single life. Like I'm just giving up that this is even anything good is going to come, that I'm ever going to find somebody that I'm ever, that my singleness will ever get better. And it's just, there's a sense of like, I want to throw my hands up in the air. And when I read through these messages and emails and just people pouring their hearts out and have conversations, there's just like a wanting to give up, you know? And, and, and even within that, I love that you highlight this at the beginning of your book. Like we can be going to church, we can read our Bible, we can be saying the right Christian things or posting the right posts on Instagram, you know, but we can still be in our hearts down in the core going adrift. You know, we can, it's really like I can read Bible verses, but if I don't sit there with the mindset of like, are these words speaking to me? Or how can I read these words and let them sink into my soul? Then I'm just reading them to read them and nothing's really happening. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, as you read a book and you notice five pages in, you're like, what, what did I just read? I don't even know because you can be going through the motions, but not allowing that to really sink in, or you're just still drifting, even though you're going through the motions that you normally go through. So what are, what is something you recommend in this season for singles right now or anybody, but mainly the people listening are singles. They're in this moment of, I want to give up. Um, I want to throw my hands in the air. And what do we do? Like, what's the first step that they should take? Yeah. And I think that's a great question because, you know, when we get to this moment and I think for singles and, you know, I, I was, when I was, um, in college, I was the president of the Singles Till Rapture Club. And so I was, um, you know, I was like all about it. So I need people to know that I, um, you know, I'm 55 this year and I didn't marry until I was 30. I didn't have my first child until I was 35 and my second until I was almost 40. Um, So the fact is that, um, you know, the whole kind of marriage and children side that God had for my life uh, was, you know, later. And particularly when you go back to how old I am, I mean, to be single and almost 30 was like, you know, it was like, what is wrong with you? I remember my my family and I come from a a staunch Greek Orthodox family where marriage is everything. So it's not only do you have your own stuff that you're working through, like what's wrong with me? You've got every Greek aunt in the world asking you what's wrong with you. You know, it's sort of like. Is it like my big fat Greek wedding? That that is my big fat Greek life. 100%. And so, you know, it's sort of like at 18, hurry up, Christine, hurry up, or no, but you're going to miss out. And, you know, by about, um, you know, 20, it's like, like it's okay, Christine, there'll still be someone, it's okay. And, you know, by 22, it's like, shh, don't say anything, Christine's still single. You know, it's kind of like, it's so bizarre. It was, you know, it, by the time I was, um, you know, 28, 29, bringing someone home, my mum's like, you know, I will pay you anything to marry her, like just anything, <laughs> just, you know, get her. So I come from a... A very different paradigm. So I get, I get the whole uh, pressure. The difference is, by the time I got into my late twenties, I was really settled to uh, not want to get married. I mean, you know, for me, marriage was a very rude interruption to my plan with God. So it was. Uh, by the time it came round, it was like, "Are you kidding me?" I was and, like, "Wait a second! I already put yeah, this I on the side sad. burner." Yeah. Was- in my own heart, I was feeling like I'm doing more single for the kingdom than most married people that I know. And um, so I'm thinking that during this season, kind of feeling like I'm giving up is one of two things. It's either, and with, like I said, I, I, I have on team around the world, well over a hundred single people on my staff. So this is very tender to me, you know, um, uh, this whole subject. And when um, giving up looks one of two ways, it's either like, oh, well, I'm giving up um, it's never going to happen for me or I'm giving up, I'm just going to settle for anything um, because yes. I'm so to get married. So it's one of two, which mm-hmm. both are extremely destructive and both are a sign of like really drifting in your heart from um, the heartbeat of God's best for your life. And I certainly get how you can end up in both places. That's why um, the writer to the Hebrews, when in Hebrews chapter two, he said, you know, uh, therefore then let us also pay extra attention lest we too drift from so great a salvation because drifting looks so different in so many different areas in the context of relationship um drifting often comes in the sense that i 
I can no longer see God working in my situation. And because I can't trace him, I no longer trust him. So I'm going to take control. And the I'm going to take control means, uh, and there's two sides to that, because part of it is like, I feel like, you know, you need to get out there and we'll talk about, I'm sure, what that might mean. Um, but that is very different to I am just going to go and find whoever I want and make it work in my, um, no matter if there's a hundred red flags or not, just because I'm so <laughs> yeah. careful of yeah. ending up alone. Um, and let me just say at my age, I'm 55 um, and I've, you know, seen a lot of life by now and the pain of regret far outweighs the pain of obedience. And my friends that in our 20s and 30s panicked and just kind of went, you know what, I'm just going to take control myself. The regret in our 50s that they experience um, is way more painful than the obedient than the pain of obedience that uh, some of my other friends who have um, chosen, you know, to the best of their ability to discern God and and do it God's way, which has meant in some cases they they're still single, you know, and that was something that they really wanted, or um, they haven't had children, and that was something that they really wanted. So these things are extremely uh, personal and work at the core of your identity. Um, but again, it's like my dad, when he used to take a swimming in Australia, he'd put up a couple of markers on the beach, you know, big beach towels and big beach yeah. umbrella. And he'd say to us, look, the currents are shifting all the time, whether you realize it or not. So I need you when you're out there swimming to look up and check your markers really, really frequently, because if you do not check your markers, you will drift. And um, he'd always say, kids, all you have to do to drift is nothing, nothing. And in this case, when it comes to being single, all you have to do to drift literally is nothing. It's not that you have to go out like to a nightclub, find someone, start sleeping <laughs> around and go, okay, I've just, you know, drifted off right. course. That's, that's, yep. that's the end point where you end up. That's not the beginning point. You, do, you don't start there. You start by not paying attention, not checking your markers or doing some of the things that are really hard to do when you're feeling isolated, when you're feeling disappointed, when you're feeling lonely, when you're feeling like God doesn't see you, when you're feeling like God doesn't hear you. Uh, who wants to pray when you feel like God's not answering your prayer? Who wants to open the Bible when you feel like God's not speaking to you? Who wants to stay in Christian community um, when everyone that you know is either uh, married or having children or has what you feel like you want. Who wants to log on to uh, Instagram when everyone's posting their fantastic, um, you know, my forever love, my, you know, like it's like who wants <laughs> yes. to do that? Who wants to check markers when you're, um, you're feeling like God in no way sees you? And I think the issue really is God more than anything else. We can use a lot of other things, but it really does come down to um, and this can happen whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're dating. It comes down to always the bottom line is doing some of the things that I talk about in the book about checking your markers, whether it's uh, Bible reading, Christian community, whether it's prayer, whether it's working on your own healing, working on yourself, whether it is continuing to trust God when you can't trace him, um, whether it's continuing to press on when everything in you wants to quit. I mean, there are certain markers. We all have to do that uh, regardless of our relational status, because what it all always comes down to at the bottom line is our relationship with God and is Jesus enough? And people would say to me, even listening to this, Chris, it's okay for you to say that you've been married 25 years. Right. Yep. Um, but let me tell you as someone that's been married for 25 years and that has two kids, uh, Nick cannot give me what only Jesus gives me. And this is where a lot of our expectations, either in our dating life and even in our married life, um, this is where they go array because, uh, because the point is that many of us are expecting either our uh, – partner or our spouse to be to us what only God can be. And if you can't learn to get that from God single, you are never going to get it from God married. And the fact is you're going to have as much loneliness and angst uh, married as you do single because the bottom goal is that Jesus is the one that completes us. Paul writes in Philippians 1.6, convinced of this very thing, that he, Jesus, who started this work in you will bring it to completion. Nick can't complete that work in me. Catherine, my eldest, Sophia, my youngest, neither of those girls can complete 
the work of salvation in me, only Jesus can. And so the same Jesus that started this work of salvation in me single is the same Jesus that's completing it in me married. And he would uh, have completed it in me whether I remain single or if something happens to Nick before it does to me, the same Jesus is going to continue that work of salvation in me. And what, okay, as you're saying this, something that's coming up for me as a single is listening to this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm putting myself in the in the shoes of so many people, including myself, that's felt just so worn out by all of this. And the question that I hear them saying is, okay, but like, I just don't get it, Christine. Why am I still single? Like, what's going on? Why is God choosing for me to still be single? If this is a desire of my heart, is there something wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? Am I not? Blah, blah, blah. blah. Why am I still single? What, like, if you yeah, hear the, singles the asking this, what is The yes. why question and, and yes. the version of why, um, <laughs> you know, and it could pertain to so many different things, but Specifically, we're talking in this context here. Here is the deal. The enemy would love you to uh, think there's something wrong with you. He's always come after our identity, no matter who we are. And um, the fact of the matter is this is the thing you're going to have to settle no matter what. And it's a great place to begin to start dealing with this when you are single because it's going to come up in a thousand different ways if and when you do get married anyway. So the deal is you've got to, uh, here's, here's the start going, okay, so let me now ascertain quite pragmatically, is there something, and by that I mean, are there some things where I need to do some work on myself and work out, is there something that I'm not even seeing? Are there some blind spots that perhaps um, are actually uh, causing me that God really wants to work on and he loves me enough and he cares for me so much that he wants me to begin to deal um, with these things because it's so important that we become the kind of person that we would want to marry. And yes, a lot of times yes. we want to wait until we have a partner, until we start working on some of that stuff. And so um, that's like all the wrong reasons, all the wrong yes. reasons. And so you begin to do that because that's part of our sanctification process. As Christ followers, we want to be conformed and transformed to the image of Jesus, single or married. Therefore, I began um, to become that kind of person, even when I never thought I would get married, because I remember, I remember in my mid-20s coming to a place, and it's in my prayer journals, and I, I wrote that, why? And for me, it was a matter of health and fitness and um, even just just looking after me because I had some friends and they were like, we were like, let's all go, uh, let's go away. I remember we were thinking, let's go on a cruise and, you know, let's have a couple of weeks vacation. And I remember in, in my friend group, my close intimate friend group, we were all single, but there was one of our friends and she was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I want to save my money for when I get married. No, no, I don't want to do that because I want to save that experience for me and my husband. No, I don't want, and, and I remember thinking and saying, not just thinking, what if we never get married? Are we never going to go on a cruise? Are we never going to go on a vacation? Are we never going to go um, and stay at a hotel? Are we never going to do these things? Because we're sa- it's like we're saving every great, what we think to be, yes. experience of our life. Yeah for this person. Well, right. why would God not want me to have this now? Um, you know, I'm going to get fit and healthy uh, when I find someone, like I remember one of my other friends and it was like, you know, as soon as she got a boyfriend, she started going to the gym and started, you know, getting really fit and considering her health. And I'm like, why would you wait for that? Why would we not do that? Because we're Jesus followers and we want to be fit for kingdom purposes. We want to be healthy for kingdom purposes. We want to look the best we can, not not for any sort of uh, carnal kind of, you know, so I can post a good Instagram picture, but so that I can be who God's created me to be. I don't need, a man, in my case, because I'm a woman, I don't need a man to complete me or I don't need to lose weight for a man. I don't need to get healthy for a man. I don't need to wait to go on a great vacation for a man. I can live, if Jesus came, that I might have life and life more abundant, John 10, 10, if he came that I might have that kind of life, I don't have to wait to have that kind of life for when I find a partner. Now, when that happened with Nick and Nick came into my life, well, that was a a continuation and and a different iteration of the abundant life I was already living. I was already living a very abundant life. I was already saving to buy a house. I was already um, 
in, in a gym and fit and part of a, a fitness club. I was already going on great vacations for every one of my annual holidays. I, and I say this to my daughters all the time. I've got two daughters. I go, oh, he's going to have to work hard to marry you because, uh, you know, I don't. the only thing he can bring to the table um, that I'm not giving you is your purpose in Christ, that this would be take, marrying this um, marrying that guy is going to take you further um, in your purpose with God because you're not going to wait for a guy to come and make you feel special because your dad and I, we already make you feel special. Um, you know, to have great experiences, you, you don't need someone because it is amazing to me. Um, some of us are, are, are just so desperately want a partner so that we've got someone to go out and have a nice meal with. Well, I had great girlfriends and we went to great restaurants and we went to, you know, it was like, Nick, you're yes. going to have to work really hard because I've already been to those great restaurants and I've already been to. So it's not that I need someone to rescue me from a, a life that has no purpose and a life that I already was serving in church and full on in purpose. And I was already having one to, to the best of my income level and you know whatever but I was living um, an abundant life within all of that in there so they were not the things I was looking to for a partner it was kingdom purpose that I was looking to when you feel confident you feel like you can do it all and who says you can't Whether you're running, biking, doing yoga, swimming, or sitting on your couch, which yes, I've been doing a lot of since the pandemic, Girlfriend Collective has clothes that you can feel your best in no matter what you're doing. Girlfriend Collective is sustainable and it's ethically made activewear for everyone. They make super cute and comfortable leggings, shorts, tanks, tees, swimsuits, and more. And y'all, their sizing is inclusive, ranging from extra, extra small to 6XL. Whether you're working out, running errands, or doing nothing at all, Girlfriend Collective has functional fabrics, colors, and styles for any activity. And I love that they are an eco brand. They use recycled materials to make their clothing, and their shipping is even 100% recyclable. Girlfriend Collective also has a garment take-back program called Regirlfriend. So once you're done loving your pieces, a long time from now, of course, you can send them back to be upcycled into new girlfriend gear. And for listeners of Heart of Dating, Girlfriend Collective is offering first-time customers $25 off purchases of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash HOD. That's $25 off, y'all, a purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash HOD. That's girlfriend.com slash HOD. I hope you go check it out because I have been loving all of their stuff lately. The holidays are around the corner. Yes, they sure are, you guys. And honestly, after another long year, I am ready for them. I don't know about you, but I love to be a great gift giver, and yet sometimes I run out of creative ideas. So if you're on a mission to be this year's best gift giver, it's never too early to start crossing off your list. And guys, I discovered a brand that I love called Uncommon Goods. They have gifts for everyone. Recently, I actually got a really cool journal that's called My Life Story So Far. It's such a cool journal and it's a creative gift to give to someone else, even for the holidays. Whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, your best friend, or even a significant other, Uncommon Goods makes it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress-free. No matter what the person is into, Uncommon Goods has the perfect gifts. From arts and jewelry to kitchen, home and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. And what I love is that they are not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. They look for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They also have really meaningful and out of the ordinary gifts that you probably won't really find anywhere else. And here's my favorite part. With every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. You can get 15% off your next gift by going to uncommongoods.com slash HOD. That's uncommongoods.com slash HOD for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer, you guys. Get ahead of your holiday shopping now. 
So what you're saying right now, this is just coming to my head because I am picturing the person in my inbox who would say, okay, but Kate, I, I reached that moment, like this heck no moment of like, I, okay, I'm going to stop putting my life on pause for an eventual spouse and I'm going to start living. So they got the house, they have the dog, they're going on the vacations, they're serving in church, blah, blah, and doing these amazing things. And they're like, okay, now why am I, why is God still not giving me what I want? You know what I mean? Like that's now the next question is like, because what you're talking about, I feel like what you got to in your singleness in your late twenties is like, and you know, and I hate this word in some, I don't hate it, but I feel like a lot of singles eye roll when I'm like this contentment in singleness, but I really do believe we have to find a way to cling to a sort of hope that surpasses our understanding and be thankful and grateful and excited and expectant for what God's going to do in our life right now. But I find that so many singles are like doing all the things just so that they can get what they want. You know, <laughs> I agree. And, and you know, that's such a fine line in our heart. And I'm so tender to it because I know, you know, like I, I, I get it and I'm not, um, I, I want to be so compassionate to this, but I, I need to elevate the conversation to a 35,000 feet level that all of us are first and foremost, Jesus followers. That means all of us in different areas of life this side of eternity are going to have some things where we go, God, I have prayed for this with all of my heart. God, I have believed you for this. I have done everything I know to do. Whether, you know, there are people that um, are believing for something for their children or are believing something for a job or are believing something for a ministry or are believing for some sort of healing in their physical body or are believing for a life partner. I mean, you can go across the breadth of life and we all have a why question. There will be inevitably in our lives something where you go, I don't understand. Um, Lord, I have followed you. I have honoured you. I have served you. And I have prayed, I think Psalm 34, you know, that if I, you'll give me the desires of my heart, if I'm faithful and if I'll do it and, and Lord, it still hasn't come to pass. And we will all be faced with different areas of our life where the, the question is, can we still trust him even if we can't trace him? Will we continue to be faithful even if we can't trust him? Do we only trust him to the degree we get what we want from him? And this is true maturity in Christ. And it's not easy. And I'm being, uh, I want to be very tender because, you know, someone at 25 desperate for a husband listening to this going, oh my gosh, is she saying I'm never going to find someone? I right, don't know. Exactly. You know. I'm not the prophet or a daughter of a prophet. So I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that, but I am saying there will be areas in your life, no matter what, uh, where we will all reach that stage, which is true Christian maturity, because I will continue to obey. I will continue to be faithful. I will continue to live a Jesus first life, even if I don't end up getting what I want or what I think I want. And somewhere I'm going to trust that God has a purpose for this. Somewhere I'm going to trust that this is going to serve for God's greater glory in my life. Somewhere I'm just going to continue to put one foot in front of the other and, and keep my faith out there. Uh, while there's still breath, there's still hope. Keep my faith out there but not stop my life because of disappointment or discouragement or disillusionment. I'm not going to take offence at God. Um, I'm not going to walk away because I didn't get the thing that I thought I wanted the most. Somehow I'm going to continue to believe God to give me the grace to be faithful to him and obedient to him no matter what. Once I've done everything I know to do, it is in God's hands, which ultimately is the place every Jesus follower has to get about everything. Ultimately, every yes. day is in God's hands. Ultimately, my you know, I'm married and my husband's in God's hands. My kids are in God's hands. None of us have nearly as much control over life as we think we have. I completely agree. And you talk about that in your book, the even if faith, like what does it look like to really trust God, even if 
we don't get married. And that is like a really, really hard thing for singles to face, even myself as an unmarried woman. It's like, well, even if, do will I still trust God? Will I still live a vibrant, abundant life here? Even if that specific desire doesn't come to fruition or it doesn't come to fruition when I want it to or how I want it to or whatever, insert whatever thing is here. And I love that um, in your book as well, you go on to talk about one of the steps as we begin to have the even if faith is to really just grieve our current season of where we're at. And I think that's so important. I think that as, uh, I don't want to say just as Christians, but I do see it in the Christian community. We just like to be a little Christianese. We're like, but God is so good and everything's fine and I'm good and I don't have to deal with my emotions because it's fine. But in doing that, we don't allow ourselves to go to the to true depths of lament and truly grieving. And I love when you talked about this and how did I get here? Because I think lamenting where we're at and bringing God into that, instead of just putting ourselves against God, like, God, you did this to me. You're not providing. How could you make all this happen? And why did COVID happen? And then you go to the downward spiral. Why is, is all of this happening? Because it's been all kind of cuckoo crazy for the last few years. But instead of going there, um, or if you've been there, how can we redirect into starting to lament some of this? What is what is lament and how do we get there? Yeah. And I think that's so important. Um, God is not scared of our emotions. Um, it's not that he doesn't know. He's not like, you know, we going to be pouring our heart out to him and he's going to fall off the throne and go, I had no idea you felt that way. You know, it's, it's not, that, <laughs> right. that's not going to happen. And um, I, I think denial is way more destructive than going there in our emotions and pouring our heart out to God. There's something cathartic about being entirely honest. It doesn't need to be polished. It doesn't need to be pretty. It just needs to be real. And I think the Psalms give us so much permission to do that. I mean, so many Psalms are like, you know, God, life sucks. I hate life. God, please kill them. Um, I love you, Jesus. Thank you. Bless everyone. You know, like, so, amen. <laughs> yes, you know, it's, yes. like um, it's, it, it's there. And I think sometimes we forget and by pouring it out, it helps us to elevate our eyes again and get our eyes off the temporal onto the eternal. Because once we can get an eternal perspective, you truly are able to endure the temporal process a whole lot better. Um, you could you can process COVID better. You could process just the cray cray in the world. I mean, the world's just crazy. It's just lost its yes, mind. Yes, the cray cray. You know, I agree. Yeah. You can basically process the cray cray better, but you can only process it better from an eternal perspective. Um, and the fact is that some the enemy wants to keep us coming back down to the temple, coming back into all of our feelings. So if we can divest ourselves at the throne of God and let him know exactly how we feel you end up feeling better. On top of all of that, you feel better yeah. once you do all of that. And then yeah. you you leave it um, with him. And there is a healing process that happens through that lamenting. I mean, there is a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. There are all of the Psalms. And so I think it's like you give yourself permission, you give yourself a bit of a time frame. You go, okay, you know, so today in my quiet time, there's going to be, you know, 10 minutes where I get to go for it. And, um, you know, and, and then and, and then you go, okay, we've done that. We've acknowledged it. Um, it's not like a once and done, like you, it, however long it takes for however many months. And then we go, but now I'm going to start uh, looking for all of the, the positive and the hope-filled thing. Paul says, I have learned to be content. Contentment is learning. We forget that. We well, I didn't wake up content today. Well, no one does. I don't know who does. And so you have to learn it. It's like you go to school every day and go, okay, I've learned to be content, whether I abase or whether I abound, whether I'm, you know, things are going great or whether things are not. You are constantly in the school of contentment and it is a learning process. And so when we understand that it's tied to our sanctification and that we're becoming more Christ-like, which is ultimately the goal of Christianity. I know some, some of your listeners are listening to this going, I am pressing the off button right now. I do not want to hear this. Um, but I, but I, I'm trying to say this is what this whole deal is about. And so somewhere in that, I'm not saying it's a magic formula. I'm not saying this is Vegas. You put a penny in a slot, lament, be content, and you'll get a partner. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying oh that, you know, the odds are a little bit more in your favor. <laughs> like it does somehow. It just kind of, um, there is, I've, I've seen a correlation um, where you just go, wow, uh, there is just something, something that, that seems to happen in that place of contentment 
where you're not even looking for it anymore and it's like it creeps up and surprises you and you're like, wow, um, wow, okay, God, I was getting that from you. I, I didn't even know that that was going to be there. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but I am saying something does happen when we learn to be content in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, no, it it really doesn't. I think it's it's no matter what singles are listening to this, no matter what they're saying right now, or thinking like this, it we have to come back to this. So you guys, I pray that you're listening with open ears because what Christine is saying is so true. And I can say this as a single person who went through a heartbreak last year, who've been through a myriad of heartbreaks and have thought that I've gonna married people that have not gone that way, you know, that this is where we have to come back to. And not that there isn't grief. There is grief, there is room for the lament. But what does it look like to be able to lament and also find and cling to hope? What does it look like to have that even if faith, even if God doesn't bring me a husband, will I still live my life for him? Will I still do the best of my ability to make disciples of nations, to do amazing things with my life as a single person? Um, will I still do that even if those things don't come to pass? So Christine, this has been so encouraging and thank you for speaking into the lives of our singles here at Heart of Dating. Um, I have to ask our last question, which every person gets asked, which is, what is your final nugget of dating advice for the Heart of Dating listeners today? <laughs> you know, it, it would be, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a very big believer in putting yourself out there. So, you know, yes, I'm just like, oh, yes. and I'm sure Kate's given you lots of advice on how to do that, <laughs> um, uh, which, you know, prayer is awesome in your prayer closet. Um, but, you know, your potential partner is not in your prayer closet, only God's in your <laughs> prayer closet. So that, that would be, I'm, I'm, I'm a very big advocate for, uh, you know, putting yourself out there in, in, you know, really appropriate ways. But here is the deal. And this is the, the best way that I can explain it. When I was going, when I was single, I was going 100 miles an hour toward the goal. The goal is Jesus. So I was like pursuing um, Jesus and his purpose for my life and uh, being obedient to him. And so not thinking I'm going to put my life on hold until I get a guy. It was, I was even, I was full on in ministry at the time, which you've got to go back because, you know, I'm as old as the dinosaurs for a woman <laughs> to be a traveling evangelist and going for wow, it. And like so nobody's going to want you, you know, you're, you're going to threaten <laughs> so many guys. And I'm thinking like, as if I want to marry and sleep with a guy that I threaten, like, wow, that's going to turn on. But anyway, so it was, <laughs> yes, that, oh that, that was like, it was just like the most ridiculous kind of stuff. And so it was like, well, I'm just going to keep pursuing Jesus. And Nick, who at, before I met him, I didn't know him. Nick was going a million miles an hour towards the goal and the goal was Jesus. So as we were both, if you could imagine sort of an, the tip of an arrow, we were both either side of the tip. As we were both headed for the tip, which is the goal, Jesus, our lives collided. And guess what we kept doing? We didn't stop and start looking inward at each other. We kept doing together what we always, what we were already doing apart, which was pursuing the goal, Jesus. The logistics of how we worked out life and ministry, well, that's been a journey over 25 years. But because we've never stopped doing what we were doing before we ever met, which was pursuing Jesus, our life has continued to go by the grace of God, but from faith to faith and by, from grace to grace and from glory to glory. And so, and we've continued, even as we've had children, to keep doing what we were doing before we ever met, which is pursuing yes. Christ. And so you can't lose for winning if you throw yourself wholeheartedly into the pursuit of Jesus. You know, the scripture says, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? All these things will be added. You know, if you lose, if you leave pursuing Jesus to go and try to get what Jesus wants to add, you're going to have to spend your whole life keeping what you got. When Jesus adds it, his grace keeps it in your life. Oh my goodness. What a word. Christine, this is so encouraging. And I, I'm so grateful even that you could speak to the areas of people. I mean, back in the day when you were in your late 20s and you're like, that was really weird to be in your late 20s or 30 and still single, especially back then. I mean, not that you are. I don't think you're ancient as the dinosaurs, but I know that. I it was, and back then, no. was like you were out to pasture. <laughs> I mean, everyone, you know, the <laughs> girls, you've got more going for you now because of us that, you know, I know Christian's 
single still, there's a little bit of a stigma in the church world, but not like there was in the 70s and 80s, <laughs> let me tell you. It, 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 yeah. has, it has shifted majorly. Yes. it's And hopefully it continues to shift because mm-hmm. we're not weird if we're single in our 30s, okay? No, everyone? no, no. Okay. Otherwise, you're saying that Jesus himself was weird. Exactly. So, you know, it's bizarre to me <laughs> how on earth Christian culture has created an idol to marriage and family. I have no idea because it is so antithetical to the gospel. Well, we do. And I mean, that's why you don't see, you see mainly leaders who are married. I mean, that's the thing. We need more leaders that are also single and that get honored for that, you know, like that's just. Absolutely. And the only reason ultimately I got married was, um, you know, the the Lord spoke to my heart from uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, where it says one will put a thousand to flight and two will put 10,000 to flight. When I was uh, in my early twenties, before I came to Christ, I was in a relationship Um, that was not God glorifying, but I love this person with all my heart. And I walked away from that to pursue Christ and to be obedient to Jesus and to, because it, because it was an ungodly relationship. So I left love and I, you know, so, so for me, it was never going to be enough to just marry for love or so I could have sex or so I could have physical intimacy, because I I walked away from all of that to follow Jesus. So the only thing that was going to get me to an altar was that um, there would be the God person where I would do more married for the kingdom than I would single. So when it was, you know, a sense of the Lord speaking to me from the book of Ecclesiastes, Christine, you can stay single and I will bless your life and you will put a thousand to flight. They, they, you know, you will, you will advance my kingdom and do what I've called you to do. But if you marry Nick, you will put together 10,000 to flight. You will have a tenfold impact for the kingdom than you would have single. So for me, that was the thing that got me to the altar ultimately. Of course, I love Nick and, of course, all of those other things. But they, but I'd <laughs> already walked away from all of that to follow Jesus. So that alone was never going to be enough to get me to walk down the, the aisle. So what I'm saying is however it looks for you, we're all wired up different. You know, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, so go Oh, pick. yes, you are. I'm a three. I love my eights. Yes. yes, that's why she would be so purpose-driven. She's a challenger. She's just all about, you know, yes, and I'm an evangelist. So yes, 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 tick all those boxes. But there is also the side that that it has to be seeking first the kingdom, however that might look for you, whatever your Enneagram number is, wherever you fit on the profile, whatever your love language is, at the end of the day, all of us as Jesus followers are called to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. That is the call to discipleship. Yeah. Amen. So true. My gosh. Okay, Chris, where do people connect with you and your book? And I really think I posted on Instagram not too long ago and we had hundreds and hundreds of people click through to buy your book. So I'm hoping that today I can't encourage them more to go and get, how did I get here? Because it really does, it meets so many people, whether single or not in their current place. But I really think singles need this after COVID. If you're listening right now, I've read your messages and you need this book. Okay. Where do they, where do they get it? Well, you know, you can get the book wherever books are sold and you can find me on all the things that Christine Kane. <laughs> I love it. Well, Chris, thank you so much for just speaking into the lives of singles today and taking the time to do so. We, we needed it. Okay. We needed it. Thanks, Kate. I love it. I'm so grateful for your work in ministry and I love singles with all my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Thanks, girl. I told y'all, Christine Kane knocks your socks off every single time. She is just the best, the most phenomenal. I'm so grateful for her. And I just, I really hope you are so encouraged. And I hope this was a conversation that you're going to go back and listen to multiple times, like I always do with all of Christine Kane's talks. So you guys, what a cool conversation. What an honor. By the way, if you want to get that guide, that free guide that I talked about at the beginning, you can go to bit.ly forward slash step-by-step dating. That's bit.ly forward slash step-by-step dating. You could also go to heartofdating.com. We got a full rebrand and a new site over there, and we have tons of other resources all free over on our website, heartofdating.com. It's such a joy to do life with you guys. I will see you on the podcast next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.